Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hale, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the FMH InsureCast. Today, we are going to talk a little about planting conditions out there across the United States. Um, I'll be talking with our regional claims managers from all over the U.S., and I have a feeling we're going to talk with folks that have uh, completed planting all the way until folks that have a couple feet of snow on the ground yet and worried about prevent plant. So um, with that, we're going to also then bring in Brandon Plummer later on, and he's going to talk a little bit about leveraging uh, precision data for crop insurance acreage reporting and the other things that we can do with precision information. Um, but we're going to start with just giving you a quick update on a couple of things before we talk with our regional claims managers. Uh, first things first, the, the price was just set uh, about a month ago. So we did get our, our spring prices for corn and beans. I believe it was $5.91 on corn and $13.78 on soybeans. Um, since that time, both of those have declined somewhat significantly. I think we're about down 80 cents on beans and um, 30 or 40 cents on corn. So for those of you that bought those higher levels of coverage, keep a close eye on that because those, those revenue drops in price, if those hold through harvests, are definitely going to trigger some more claims. Um, just quickly overview uh, of a couple other things here. The early plant dates, we've, we've mentioned those before here on the show, but if you are in a position to plant early, and I think if we're here from our claims managers here, not a whole lot of people fit into this bucket, but if we do have anybody that is in a position to plant early, especially soybeans, you may want to check with your agent on those early plant dates as those there's been changes to those that have been moved even earlier. Um, and then we're going to talk a lot about prevent plant. I have a feeling as we go around the nation here. So keep in close touch with your agent. If you have any inkling that you might have some prevent plant issues, remember there's some, some rules that are very important. We have a 2020 rule, which is 20% or 20 acres. And we also have a one in four rule. It just says it has to be planted, harvested, and insured at least once in the last four years. So those are the major ones, but most important there. If you think you're going to have some prevent plant issues, get with your agent and make sure you understand your options. Um, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, talk to our regional claims managers here. And we're going to start, uh, we're going to start Bruce, Bruce Van Lunen. He's our regional claims manager in, uh, well, I'll let you tell us exactly where you're at, Bruce, because I know these borders change a little bit. But uh, tell us about where you're from, Bruce, and what things are looking like for planting right now. You bet. Good morning, Ryan. Yes, like Ryan said, my name is Bruce Fanlon, and I'm the regional claims manager for the Mid-South region for Farmers Mutual Hill. I take care of Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. I actually live in northwest Kansas at Hill City, Kansas. Uh, kind of a menagerie across my region right now is planting in the Blacklands of Texas, which for some of you listening, that is the area within from Austin, Texas, up towards Waco in that general vicinity. Our corn planting 
I don't, I don't want to jinx myself here, Ryan, but our corn planting went off better than it ever has down there. We don't even have a replant right now in that region. Wow. So we got our corn in the ground. We got our corn out of the ground. You know, I think Chad Gruen's going to relate to that here a little later that he wishes that might happen for him. But yeah, no replants. So our planting went well down there. Uh, we're looking at next week, our cotton planting will probably kick in gear as those become the uh, early plant dates for cotton. The conditions look good. So hopefully we get some cotton going down there. The grain sorghum will soon follow right with the cotton and we'll keep moving along from there. Uh, as far as we move north up in Oklahoma, we've seen a little bit of planting in Oklahoma, not much. Uh, kind of waiting on a little bit of ground temperature to come up. And usually at this time of the year in southeast Kansas, we are running pretty hot and heavy with the planters getting the corn in the ground at this time. And as of right now, our ground temperatures are way low. We're in the low 40s with our ground temperatures. So that's keeping the planters at the sheds right now. And, and we have some areas, we have some pockets down there where we wish we had that other issue in Kansas that we had some wet spots, but we'll get going down there. Hopefully yesterday temperatures were up. So maybe our ground temperatures will start coming up. And then you kind of alluded to earlier in your start out of the podcast here that, uh, you know, some prevent plant issues. We might be looking at West Texas, Western Kansas as some prevent plant issues due to drought. You know, the Palmer drought index monitor shows that it is extremely dry in which yesterday proved that to be a fact there was dirt blowing all over in western kansas so you know we're looking for you know some moisture and maybe that will help with some planning as we move forward into into april and the latter part of april first of may with most of our planning in the western part of texas and kansas perfect bruce a uh, great update there um one other thing i know we were talking just a little briefly before the show here um about our our fall planted wheat in kansas can you give us a, a quick update on that yeah the fall planted wheat in kansas it really went in but we just did not receive much moisture going through the winter we had a couple of nice snowstorms that occurred in northwest kansas central kansas uh, the eastern part of kansas where we don't raise a lot of wheat did receive some decent moisture on the wheat but you know i noticed you know, you noticed I left out Southwest Kansas. Mm -hmm. uh, we planted wheat down there, but it's still sitting in the ground. The seed looks like the day we planted it down there. We had no emergence and, uh, you know, like Palmer drought index shows us it's extremely dry down there. So yeah, we've got a lot of issues with appraisals that we're going to be doing on the wheat crop in Southwest Kansas, especially. Perfect. Perfect. Well, as dry as it is there, uh, if we move, say, a few hundred miles to the east, we get to Arkansas. And uh, Darren Cunningham is our regional claims manager for Arkansas and the surrounding uh, region, the Delta, so to speak. So, Darren, why don't you give us a, a quick update on what things are looking like in your area? Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Um, I'll start a little further south than Arkansas because it's actually a little better story, I suppose. Uh, I have uh, Louisiana. Uh, South Louisiana is looking really good. Actually, the whole state is. Uh, rice is about 80% in. 
and they look to start soybeans in mid-April. Everything's, uh, they've missed quite a bit of the water, kind of the opposite side of uh, Bruce's area. We've been a little wet uh, in most of my territory, except Louisiana. Louisiana is looking really well. North Louisiana, the corn and rice are going in pretty strong. Uh, so that state looks to be in good shape for now. The tail kind of turns when you get to southern Arkansas and northern Arkansas, as well as uh, Tennessee and Mississippi. Uh, it's quite a bit wet. Uh, I actually pulled some uh, data for you. Uh, Lee County, Arkansas, which is basically straight west of Tunica County, Mississippi, which is quite a, where, uh, quite a bit of our business lies. I'm showing 21.96 inches of rain since January 1st. So it's it's been quite <laughs> wet. <laughs> That's crazy. We we can see Bruce shaking his head over there because I think he told me somebody in, in southwest Kansas has had an inch of rain in the last nine months or something like that. So Yeah, we would have been glad to share with Mr. Bruce. Uh, we could have uh, given him quite a bit of that and still been in, in better shape, but... Uh, that's kind of the tale of the Delta. It's it's pretty wet right now. It's been wet uh, all all early spring and late winter. Um, prevent plant is an issue that we're looking at, although uh, the corn price is up and we still have quite a few days to plant corn. Everybody gets a little, everybody wants to jump in right when, uh, as early as they can uh, in the area, but we've still got quite a few days in the planting period to go. Uh, rice seems to be the bigger issue, which we look to start rice uh, April, well, tomorrow, actually, April 1st. I was kind of hoping since it was, we're in a transitional year from La Nina, and I was really hoping for to get out of this pattern that we've been in the last four or five years. Uh, it's not showing that's much of a transition yet, but hopefully later in the spring, we'll dry up a little bit and come back to more normal temperatures and, and rainfall. Gotcha. Darren, any any quick tips or anything for the folks in that region that are, are looking square at prevent plant possibly in 23, any quick tips or reminders that you see that uh, farmers should definitely be aware of? Sure. Anything that they can come up with to help the adjusters uh, look at their one in four rule information, like you mentioned earlier, some of that information is private and it's only that they can get and the adjuster is going to have to rely on them to, gather some of that information to help them with their claim. Uh, I always tell folks anything you can provide your adjuster uh, and help him run down as far as research and data, that that speeds your claim process up quite a bit and uh, will get your claims paid faster. Perfect. Thank you so much, Darren. Um, we're going to move even further east now. Tony Gear is our regional claims manager for uh, basically the entire East Coast. He has quite a, a large region. Tony wasn't able to be on the show with us today, but essentially looking at his notes, uh, anywhere from uh, Florida all the way up to New York State is what Tony covers. And uh, it looks like a pretty mixed bag, but there are definitely some spots in that area that are, are at least uh, fearful of some prevent plant as well. So it kind of seems like that that southern corn belt is still wet. It's a southeastern corn belt is still wet. So same kind of reminders for the folks in those regions that that Darren just mentioned. Um, keep keep in mind, be in close contact with your agent, get your records in order. And the one and four rule I think that Darren was mentioning there, I think sometimes we have to prove insurability. Um, so if you had those, that ground insured previously, but maybe it wasn't under your policy, sometimes we got to dig a little deeper to see if those, 
the ground was insured or not. And I think that's what Darren was alluding to there. So, um, all right, let's go, let's go back uh, West a little bit. Um, and how about we talk with Matt Miller? Matt Miller is our regional claims manager in, in sort of the Great Lakes region. So Matt, go ahead and fire away. What, what are things looking like by you? <laughs> hey, Ryan, um, I guess to cover the states that I cover, we're going to talk about Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, and Kentucky. Um, I don't have near the update that Bruce and Darren had. Um, I would say that we're cautiously optimistic at this point. Um, things look, they're um, moist, but not wet. Um, we have some weather moving in today, but all in all, we're really close to our initial plant periods. And I think we're going to see some planters roll here in the next two weeks, especially down south in Kentucky, um, Illinois on some of the better dirt. And I think that um, really everything looks pretty good. So Michigan's probably got a little falling out to do yet, but nothing like uh, what Chad Gruden's probably going to share here in just a little bit. So, yeah, I'd say optimistic. That's good. It's is, good, to, is where it's we're good to hear some good news yeah. here, right? Um, yeah, you know, the wheat crop looks pretty good. We have not a lot of claims on uh, wheat crop that they want to tear out and switch to corner soybeans on. So we didn't have any prevent plant wheat claims last fall, which is different, um, to say the least, for our area. So, yeah, maybe a, a good year on tap, I hope. I hope I'm not jinxing it by talking <laughs> about it too much. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, quick question for you. Do you see the changes to those early plant dates, especially on beans? Do you see that coming into play? in 23 here? I do. Yeah, I do. I, I think that we're early enough now um, with the outlook of the weather, we we're probably going to take advantage of some of those early plant dates and uh, hopefully see some good yields in the end. Now, that's the theory behind it, right. right? So we'll see what happens. But, you know, last year was a little too late getting out to utilize even the initial plant dates that were not changed last year compared to this year. So I think we'll be able to utilize them, especially down south. Excellent. So Excellent. Yeah. All right. So let's continue to move a little further west. Uh, Brian Nebergall has uh, both Iowa and Wisconsin. Brian, what are what are things looking like here in my home state and uh, in Wisconsin as well? Well, things. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Things are looking really good here. Uh, our drought index on the western side of Iowa has uh relinquished quite a bit and we got a couple small spots but overall our state's looking pretty good as far as moisture um planters no planters are rolling of course uh we're still waiting for some warm weather to warm some things up and conditions are pretty favorable to be able to plant just as soon as that ground's warm enough wisconsin the southern half of wisconsin pretty similar to iowa conditions are a little wetter over there and as you move north uh like north of high 90 uh there's quite a bit of snow up there yet so we we're kind of waiting to see how much snow comes down the water comes down the rivers uh we're expecting some probably some minor flooding uh but hopefully not major uh hopefully they get a good constant melt up there and we don't have the overflow of water so the, I guess our only concerns would be along the river tributaries for uh, some prevent plant if the flooding occurs at the wrong time period, closer to planting time. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, there's a lot of people hooked on the planters just waiting. They're chomping at the bit to get going. So 
Um, and I foresee a, a normal planting season. We might be running just a little bit, maybe a week later, just because of the cold temperatures. But if it warms up here, uh, we could bring us right back on track to start on the 10th of April. So you, you don't think it's, you don't think it's warm enough today, Brian? <laughs> no, it's not. Well, today it is. Yeah. Today yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, uh, for the most part, no, it's, it's still pretty cold. We still got frost in the ground in Northeast Iowa. And so, yeah. yeah. No, I, and I should have uh, mentioned this up top, but we are recording this on March 31st, which, um, Hopefully is not a, an infamous day in any way, but we are expecting some severe storms to kind of come across the, uh, the, the corn belt today. And it's, it's 70 degrees here in Des Moines as I'm talking. So it's kind of an ominous looking day, especially here. It's one of those oddball ones where you get to 70 degrees in March and it feels a little bit spooky outside. So. Yeah, and, typic and typically how it's been going, it's 70 today, and they're talking we might have some snow tomorrow morning. So that's just what what we're looking at for the variance in the temperatures. So right, right. Well, perfect. I wish we could we could end on a good note here, but we're gonna go talk to Chad Gruen right now. <laughs> and Chad uh, has our Dakotas and Minnesota area, so our upper plains or upper uh, midwest here which chad take it away all right thanks ryan for having us um yeah it may be uh march 31st in iowa but it's january 31st in minnesota so <laughs> yeah there's uh quite a bit of snow still out here we're in uh gonna be in a blizzard warning uh in western minnesota tonight in eastern south dakota so um but thankfully it is uh it's not april yet and uh you know, still got a long way to go. Um, our producers have been through this before, just as recently as last year. A lot of producers didn't get in until the mid-May. Um, so definitely some prevent plant concerns. But uh, um, South Dakota, you know, a lot of that ground was really dry last fall. And uh, where the snow has been coming, um, kind of up through Nebraska and uh, diagonally up through up to Duluth, uh, Minnesota, um, they've been getting some much needed moisture. So I think, uh, Western South Dakota is going to be getting some moisture the next week. Um, so quite a bit of snow, but, uh, yeah, North Dakota, that's completely white. Um, going to have record snowfall in the Bismarck area. Um, uh, but the slow melt, I guess, is helping out with the uh, river flooding. Um, but we would like to see a little bit of melting. Um, we're definitely getting uh, cold at night, but it would be nice to warm up, um, above 30. In, during the day so but we're cautiously optimistic uh, it's going to be cold in the next couple of weeks so obviously not going to have much um, movement in the field spring week uh, you know there'd be a lot of spring wheat being going in in the next couple of weeks well that's not going to occur or any of the early season crops the canola um, spring wheat sugar beets um, so yeah, definitely a little delay on those crops but Southeast Minnesota, that's uh, their snow just left last weekend. Um, so they stay uh, stay black uh, there with no snow. Um, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks they can get some plant, um, get some crops in there. Perfect. No, I actually saw a stat the other day. I think uh, Minneapolis was something around 100 straight days under 42 degrees uh, for the high. So that's uh that's a lot of cold and i know there was a lot of snow to go with that across the whole region 
Uh, but, but Chad, I'll ask you the same question I asked Darren. I, I know it's, it's certainly in some areas uh, that you cover, prevent plant is not unusual, but uh, any tips or, you know, definitely want to uh, point out for those growers that could be facing some prevent plant in 23. Yeah, the big thing is just uh, get that notice of loss turned in. Uh, requirements are, you know, within 72 hours of the final plant date. So obviously our final plant date is uh, a ways away. Um, but, you know, being in communication with that, uh, with your agent and, and uh, yeah, any new added ground, um, like uh, Darren had mentioned that we need to help be able to prove that it's been planted, harvested, and insured once in the last four. So um, that would be information that um, we would require you to uh, um, obtain for us. And uh, we could be able to pay that prevent plant. And another reminder is just uh, that we cannot pay the prevent plant claim until acres get reported and we're able to uh, verify all the acres. So um the sooner you can get uh, everything reported to your agent and the agent um, get everything keyed in, that's when we can start actually uh, um, working the prevent plant claim and the replant, any potential replant claims as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Chad. One last region to close out would be Mike Steenson's region. He's a regional claims manager for us in the Western Corn Belt and uh, all the way out to California. So he covers a big area as well, but I think the theme for his area, uh, Mike couldn't be here with us today, but the theme for his area is they've been a little colder and wetter, but that hasn't been so bad. They have been in desperate need of some some moisture out there as well. They've had a lot of prevent plants over the past few years due to a lack of uh, water. And I think in most areas, they should be at adequate levels to be able to irrigate properly. So that's a quick update from out West, but to all of you that joined us today, really appreciate this. I, I think uh, I think it was good information that you all shared and, and kind of a fun, different format for us here today. So thank you all for your time. Really appreciate it. With that, obviously we have uh, different planting conditions across the, the whole U.S., um, but with FMH being a leader in precision technology, uh, we, wanna, we want farmers to know that the data that they're collecting as they get started planting this year in 2023 can be used to help report acres and eventually production and even settle claims. So we are going to bring in Brandon Plummer here today. Brandon is one of our precision tech specialists. And uh, Brandon, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll get to talking about how we can use precision data for crop insurance purposes and some of the benefits of it. Hey, everyone. Um, Brandon Plummer here. Like Ryan said, a member of our Precision Tech team. I actually started with the company full-time on our claims team as an adjuster uh, back uh, 2014. Um, worked as an adjuster for about three years and then transitioned into our Precision role and have been working on this ever since. So uh, happy to be here today. And I think we've got a lot going on and and uh, happy to uh, share, some, share, some, share some information with us. Perfect. So super high level, Brandon. Um, I think farmers understand collecting precision data. They may or may not know that they can use it for crop insurance, but why why should farmers be interested in using precision for crop insurance purposes? Yep. So exactly. There's a lot of data out there that farmers have access to. Um, We know a lot of farmers are maybe use an auto steer or even more so uh, the variable rate technology out there on their planters. 
um, that's allowing them to make better decisions and be more strategic with their uh, implements or in, in their input costs. So that stuff's already happening. And if we're talking about just what we need for an insurance, what these guys are saying is we need acres. So we want to know what did they plant? Where did, where, where did that planter go and how many acres did it, how many acres is that field? So really um, for insurance, we just need a, a small piece to what's actually being captured out there on the farm. So uh, farmers are actually looking for how can they further leverage that and crop insurance is a great outlet. Perfect. And so if they're using precision data, um, what kind of immediate benefits do you think we typically see, uh, whether it be from the insured side of things or from the agents that are that are collecting the data and, and turning them into acreage reports? Yep. So I'd say right out the gate, it's really efficiency. Um, Farmers Mutual Hale, we've got direct connections with a lot of these large farm management software providers out there. Um, and we can also accept data that's extracted directly from the monitor. So we're kind of uh, taking a, color, a colorblind approach, um, but all of that information for planting can be seamlessly transferred over to the agency. Um, and what we see on our team is really almost as soon as someone's done planting, they're able to take a couple of days to review it on their end and then get it over to their agent. And to connect back to what's what our uh, regional claims managers were saying is, we in those early season claims, be if we're, if we're talking replants or prevent plant, what's holding them up from working the claim or paying that loss is usually getting acres on a crop insurance policy. So actually, we see uh, when precision data gets sent in, that's able to hit the hit their policy sooner and um, potentially be paid a little bit quicker too. So big win there. Excellent. So I imagine for farmers or agents that are out there that have not done this before. There's obviously a lot of questions and maybe even a little bit of a, ooh, I, I kind of like this idea, but I'm I'm just not sure I know enough about it to get started. So what kind of resources do we have at FMH to help farmers and agents get started with this? Yep, absolutely. So we've got a team of precision tech specialists um, that work out in the field, both with the agency and with the, uh, the farmer and our ultimate policyholder to kind of set up everything, make sure that we're all on the same page. Hey, what does this really look like when I'm talking about my my crop year and crop insurance policy when I'm using precision data? So we're really there um, to answer any of those questions and then work with the agency and train the agency on how to move that information ultimately to an acreage report. Um, that ultimately, uh, we like to use our map-based acreage reports, helps a great visual uh, picture for what happened that they can go out and review with the farmer and make sure that we've got everything accounted for. And especially um, if you see, if you got a rock pile out there in the field or a space that ultimately couldn't get planted for some of these uh, reasons that we've been talking about, you're going to see that clearly on the clearly on the map and you're not going to pay premium for that area that didn't have a seed go in the ground. Um, a lot of what uh, a misconception that's been out there in the industry is that we've always had to use FSA 578 acres for crop insurance. Um, prior to being able to use precision data, that was true. Um, we would all, as an adjuster, I would go out, grab the 578s to verify acres. But now when we're talking precision, it's let's get the data in. Let's use this map that we already have based on where the planter went. And a lot of the times we're seeing that acre number is different than what's on file with the 578. So there could be some premium impacts. Um, if you're planting less out there than what the 578 might say, um, you're going to pay exactly what exactly for what you planted in that given year. And if you are planting less, that's got an APH impact at the end of the day. So same amount of bushels are going to come off that farm. Now, whether we apply it to the 80 acres that the FSA's already always had, or if we apply it to 
77 and a half acres, there's going to be a little bit of a difference there too. Yes, most definitely. And I think you mentioned it as well too, Brandon, but one thing as I've talked with agents over the years about this, that they really like is oftentimes it means that the producer is coming to them first to report acres, right? So they're taking their precision data, they're getting it into an acreage report with their crop insurance agent. And then they're taking that resulting document, whether it be an acreage report, or we have another tool called the FSA summary report, and it's uh, assisting them in getting acreage reported at FSA. Um, now, how much does this all cost, Brandon? Yeah. Um, well, I'll answer that question on the cost piece first. Um, <laughs> uh, to use your information for crop insurance, absolutely free. Um, as a farmer, you've already invested heavily into your own operation, the equipment, the precision technology. Um, if you're using variable rate controllers and shutting, uh, uh, being strategic with your seed, all of that costs a lot of money. We know that. Um, but all we need is to be able to capture a coverage map and that planting map um, and to be able to transfer that into your agency and get some of these crop insurance benefits. That's all just part of being a customer with FMH. And we we're happy to work with you and further uh, give you another outlet um, to get some additional benefit out, out of that investment. Um, Perfect. Go ahead. To go back to uh, what you mentioned about farmers coming to the agency first, and then we can give them um, one of our reports that we have is called an FSA acreage summary report. When farmers take that to help them certify with the FSA, it's not uncommon where they're they're used to having to sit down at the FSA office and maybe spend half a day or more filling out the FSA paperwork. Anything that we can do to help our customers um, have a better process reporting there um, is going to be a win. Um, I don't want to uh, I don't want to say that we need FSA acres and crop insurance acres to match because we do not. Um, but we want to give them resources to make that certification experience for both the crop insurance and at the FSA, just a lot, a lot uh, smoother process for them. Awesome. Um, you've been doing this for a while now, Brandon. Uh, can you give us a few or maybe even just one success story that, that maybe is your favorite? Well, there's a lot out there, um, but I just relevant to the prevent plant and replant conversations. Um, I was, I know of, of a couple FSA offices where they've been behind um, and we actually were sitting on a large payment that we had all teed up, ready to go, but we didn't have, um, they the customer didn't have a 578 yet and they couldn't get that to the agent. However, when we were able to pull the precision data in, we were able to get their policy established for crop insurance and then get the checkout um, a month or two in advance of when they finally got that 578 in the agency's hand. That's going to be more of an extreme situation, but we've seen offices, FSA offices that have been backed up. Going back to just even this past week, uh, I was with a farmer and we were talking about last year's, um, last year's crop. And we were talking about, hey, let's start to use this for this coming crop year. You've got all the information. Let's get you set up and get, get that ready to send in data when you're done planting this year. Um, but coming to last growing season, uh, he'd been scouting his field and he was noticing, you know, something's wrong with that wrong with this soybean field. He had a couple bean fields that just weren't looking right um, in the growing season. He had planted east-west. And when he actually harvested the and looked at his harvest map at the end of the year, um, he had stripes going north-south where the crop had been impacted and, and it finally clicked. He had hired a, uh, a, a, crop, a crop duster 
who had some resi a residual chemical in the tubes, and they had been spraying the field inadvertently um, with something that didn't that they didn't really want in there, and it hurt his crop. But he didn't realize it except till he till when he looked at that harvest map where we he could clearly see the picture. Hey, something's going wrong here. So I think that's really what I like. I like that farmers are able to use this information not only for crop insurance, but they're using it to make better agronomic decisions and look at, hey, did this uh, did this uh, planting prescription or this fertilizer package perform as I would have expected? If not, what can I do better for this next crop year to, to see an improvement on that ground? Perfect. No, that's really great stuff, Brandon. Uh, as an agent or a farmer, how would they get started uh, utilizing this process? Yep. So I would say, talk to your precision tech specialist, um, talk to your sales manager. If you don't know, if you don't have their contact information, your sales rep will be able to get you pointed in the right direction. But um, basically your precision tech specialist is going to come out, have a conversation with the agency, have a conversation with the farmer, um, answer any of the questions, talk about what does this look like, like I already said, um, and really help help the agency get up and running with starting to implement precision into their business model and then their value proposition. Because a lot of farmers have this technology. They just might not know yet that they can use it for crop insurance. So that's really what, what our piece is all about is just education, training, making sure that everyone's got a good experience and able to uh, take full advantage of what they've got going on on their equipment. Perfect. Um, and obviously for those that are, are getting started, those are good tips, but we also have a lot of people out there that have already been doing this for a while. So any tips for them as they're getting prepared for 23 planting season? Yep. Again, um, we've got a lot of, uh, we've been doing this for several years now. So we've got a lot of agents that have continued to add a, new, a couple customers each year. Um, they've got, they usually start with the ones that they've got a good relationship with. They know, Hey, you've got the data. I want to, I want to work on using this precision data within the crop insurance space. They see that it works there and then they continue to uh, promote it um, either as they they went through this prior sa uh, sales closing timeframe um, any farmer meetings. Um, I think it's all a good good opportunity to bring up the precision and hey, we've got an outlet for you. Let's let's give this a shot. Perfect, Brandon. Any final words before we sign off here uh, that you have for our growers out there? Yep. No, I would just say uh, I liked uh, Matt's comment. Cautiously optimistic. We're seeing acres come in in some of those southern states already, uh, but we're certainly looking forward to getting rolling. Uh, here, as soon as these planters hit the field and then a couple of weeks go by, we'll start to see some data coming in in a lot more of these Midwestern states. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Brandon. And thank you to all of the regional claims managers today that were able to hop on. Um, and thank you all for listening in on the FMH InsureCast. Be sure to subscribe on whatever app you're listening to the FMH InsureCast on. And uh, good luck planting. You've been listening to FMH InsureCast. We appreciate you joining us today and would like to hear from you. If you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast, you can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is an equal opportunity provider.